Hey guys, welcome to Combo Courses Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about privacy from the perspective of the NIST framework, risk management framework. I'm going to give you an overview of some of the stuff I've been putting together for a privacy course I'm developing for Combo Courses. Um, but first, before I start, I'm going to look at a couple of resumes that I've been kind of putting off. Uh, this is something I do from time to time. I'll just somebody will send me their resume and I'll look through it. And uh, let's get into the first one here. The very first one is from I changed the names just so you know. This first one here. Let me see if I can show you my screen real quick. Test, test, testing, testing, volume, test, test. Okay, yeah, I still got volume. Okay, good. All right, so. Now, if you're just listening, I'll just explain what I'm looking at here and talk you through how to make a better resume. I am looking at a Taylor Flow. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. And she sent me a resume and she is a uh, certified nurse assistant who is trying to transfer into uh, IT, some kind of IT, namely uh, trying to get into risk management framework and be an information system security officer or something like that. So she sent me a resume and it's it's about, it's a page and it doesn't really have a lot of stuff on it, to be honest with you. It's got, it's one page long and it, and half of it has a summary, has a skill set, has experience and work, um, and it's, it's not filled out very well at all. Um, this is not going to get a job, not in information technology. Um, just being c completely honest here, but uh, this doesn't have anything in it. Um, now, I'm just kind of glancing through it, and she does have a Security Plus, which she said she took in April 2020, and a, a Linux Plus that she took in 2020. So, um, yeah, this is not this is not good. Um, so first of all, I changed the top to put the name on the very top, of course. The next part, she didn't have like a a title. I put a title here, just junior cybersecurity analyst. But honestly, I don't even know if if you could really put this there because I'm not seeing anything so far uh, that would indicate that you are in this role or have ever been in any kind of role like this. So I don't know. We'll come back to that one. But you want to put a title up top. And then an email, of course, and then a phone number, which is pretty standard. In the summary, she has not knowledgeable with zero to one year experience in risk management framework, risk management framework, system development lifecycle, HIPAA and application uh, NIST standards, aptitude for good customer service, uh, excellent communication and presentation skills. All right. Um... There's, so this would be fine if you had something to back it up. Um, the zero to one experience um, suggests that I would just put one year's experience. If it's one year experience, put one year of experience. Zero to one doesn't really make sense um, to put in the, in the top. Uh, so if it's one year, I would put one year. Um, skill set she has. Familiar with risk management framework, okay. Um, experience with cryptography, experience with, okay. 
Um, how can we, what can we do with this? This is basically a blank sheet. What would I do? So here's the thing. My wife is actually a certified nursing assistant and, um, it is a hard, it can be a hard job. Um, so, and I don't know if she still does this, but she has hospice aid here, has work experience, and then she has top group tech from April to June, 2020. So May, June, April, May, June. So that's like three months of experience. So, hmm. All right. And then under top group tech, it says assisted in identifying new viruses and malware. Okay. This is not, we don't know the impact. We don't know how many systems it was. How big was this company? This is not uh, looking good. So what I would do is... I would go for a help desk job. Um, so I would, I'm going to the top of the resume and I'm just going to go ahead and put uh, whatever position that she had here in top tech group, I would put that on top. So I'm assuming, let me see, what did she do? She assisted with some malware, she evaluated security controls, and she detected vulnerabilities all right maybe junior cybersecurity, but we need to really fill this out so let's let's spend some time filling this this part out here so this was last year we let's put um instead of assisted let's just go right and let's let's make this an impactful statement let's say identified identified new malware new malware and then so what would we have to go into the impact of this uh, what was the impact of identifying the malware so if you identified malware you potentially stopped ransomware you potentially stopped the trojan you you know on how many systems you know i don't know all that information so i'm just gonna have to guess what the impact might have been and then I'll just explain to her like what what why I'm putting these this information in there so I will what I'm going to do is I'm going to say identified malware on 15 systems 15 critical systems And I'll explain all this stuff to her so she, you know, I don't want her to lie on here, but I just want to show her, like, this is the kind of impact you want to see on here. You don't want to just have a bullet where it doesn't even explain, like, what's going on. You want to go into details to show, hey, this was, I, I understand how to find malware, you know. You might even want to put what tool you use to find the malware. You might even put, like, identified, identified malware using um, what tool could you use to using uh, let's say Sophos or something you could say something like Sophos or you could say um, what could you use McAfee you could use McAfee Sophos Sem Symantec that's just another thing you could you could do to say how how you identified the malware but let's keep going. Identified malware on 15 critical systems. Potentially 
um, potentially bypassing wait no 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 okay let's see let's see I, I don't have enough information here so it's really hard to write this I'm just like really making stuff off off, off the top of my head without any kind of like this is basically me writing a full resume with no you know with no information I need more information so I'll just do this one and then I'll just tell her hey look need more information like this okay on 15 critical systems and uh, and let's say potential potentially saving the organization organization thousands of dollars of damage removed removed and this is an opportunity to like show like that you know the process of identify not only identifying but how to actually quarantine remove isolate respond incident handling so you want to like this is an opportunity for you to show that you know incident handling let's get rid of this uh, misspelling here um, let's say uh, reported uh, quarantine let's say remove quarantined removed and reported the malware in accordance with organization organizations policy Incident handling policy. Inc incident handling policy. So, okay, so here, let me just explain like why I put all this stuff in here. Why, what we're doing is we're tying the thing that we just, that she did. So she says she removed a malware. What was the impact of that? The impact is that we removed, exa first of all, what exactly did we do? Uh, removed malware. Let me move this comment. That doesn't make any sense. On 15 critical systems, potentially saving the organization. Here's the impact. Potentially saving the organization. No, not potentially. Let's say saving. And how would you know how much it saved? Well, if you did a business impact analysis, you might have you might be able to identify how much it would have saved the organization or if you know it was a critical server, let's say if it was on a DNS server and it's going to take out the network for X amount of hours, you could calculate, you could have a rough, rough calculation of how much thousands of dollars would have been lost in the time that this system would have had to switch to another system or something. You can guesstimate how, many, how much loss and damage might have been done on this. So that's one way you could calculate it. 15 critical systems saving the organizations the organization thousands of dollars of damage quarantined removed and reported the malware in accordance with the organization's plur uh this is going to be possessive 
organization's incident handling policy. And so now I'm just going to explain to her like what, why I put all this stuff in here and like what's the idea behind what I'm trying to do here. Because what I'm trying to do is go into detail about the action completed and then you want to show impact of the action on the organization and the reason why you're doing this is to show that not this was this is this is something that had an impact on the organization you're showing that you have value and you're going to bring this same value to another organization you know, when somebody reads this, they're going to be like, wow, I, I want somebody to do the same thing to my organization. So that's why you want to show the impact. Another thing is when you go into detail, it allows you to do things like putting more keywords in there, keywords and key phrases. One of the keywords and phrases is incident handling. Uh, policy is another one. Um, of course, malware. You know, so you want to put as many, and you could also have put, semantic and what kind of tools you use you want to put as many in there as possible because that's more keywords you're going to put in there you're going to do the same thing with assisted and evaluating security controls you're going to do the same thing with evaluated threats and uh and conducted security scanning this actually is like two or three different um breakouts if you go into detail about your security scanning what scanner did you use did you use nessus how many how many systems did you scan what you know what tool did you use what did you discover what kind of analysis did you do you want to go into that level of detail on your resume to show that you really did it and and put as many keywords as possible another thing is that she she has a security plus this needs to be on top if you have a security plus you want to put that right up here security plus because that's your you want to put your top certification on the top your most your strongest certification should be up here somewhere boom um, another thing is I need more detail all of this needs more detail so I'm just gonna go ahead and tell her hey need more detail need more detail and impact so that's what I would do and and these other items here, um, these should probably be down here. I mean, I, it, the thing is, cert the cert she, what what it is is she has nursing assistant up top. She has hospice aid up top. You want to put the thing that you're going for, which is your technical skills up top. You might not even want to put that you are a CNA on this one. I remember I used to be a cop. I used to put it on my resume all the time. But the thing is, you know, if if that criminal justice degree doesn't bring anything to the rest of my resume, why am I putting it on there? So so that's something to another thing that uh, you probably want to do is not put if you were if you drilled or you a welder or something, how does that help your your IT experience? So those are just a, a few tips that I would that I would um, bring to the table on that. I mean, I need, I really need more details here. I mean, you, you've got to get more. If, and if you happen to listen to this, Taylor, like you, you have to put more, more in here. You, and if this is the only experience you have, 
three months, that's not enough. You got to go out and get get some entry level positions, do some volunteer work. Uh, you got to do more um, because this is not enough. All right. Um, I have another resume, but I'm what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover that one uh, later on. Right now, I want to go into I want to go into something I started creating a little course to start creating that I think might be helpful to some folks out there who are IT folks, um, who are risk management framework folks. I wanna talk a little bit about privacy. And I'm not gonna go in super great detail. I just wanna give you a preliminary overview of what I'm covering and give you an idea of what's gonna, what's what's to come. All right, so let's get into this. Here it is right here. And um, let me give you an overview here. So whenever I've showed the privacy of these, this is the NIST control families, first of all. And um, you'll notice that the NIST control families have has this one right here. If you've ever seen this diagram here, uh, these two, these are both for, this top one is the NIST revision four this this one down here is risk is nist revision four where they were going transitioning into five and that's why they're you see a little bit more control families here but this one they recently changed individual participation and so they changed it on from rev four to that had ip and se and tr these are individual participation which it includes things like consent security, transparency, and use limitations and things like that. And they kind of combined them all into transparency, uh, PII and transparency, PT, which is personally identifiable information and transparency. And this has to do with processing personally identifiable information and protecting personally identifiable information. What is personally identifiable information? All right, I can explain that. And this will make a little bit more sense to you once I explain it. Personally identifiable information is your your name. It includes things like your social security number, of course, your date of birth. It can be your your mother's maiden name. These are things that they might ask you at a bank to confirm. Uh, it can be uh, your address, your phone number, your email, your work email. All these things that tie back to you that identify you personally. Those are PII or personally identifiable information. Now, why is that important? In a nutshell, very quickly, I can explain why. Okay. The reason why that stuff is important to protect is that it's a huge target for uh, malicious hackers who are doing reconnaissance to find the weakest link weakest link in your organization so what they do is they're looking for emails they're looking for your first and last name on the internet they're going on the internet and looking to see what job you work for let's say you work for let's say you work for um, Comcast you're a your HR person at Comcast they're gonna look for your uh, your work email right George Smith at Comcast.com dot com or dot org or whatever it is they're going to look for your full name george smith they're going to look for 
What department you work in? George Smith HR Resources Office. They're going to look for your phone number. Maybe they can call you on the phone and do a little bit of um, social engineering. They want to gather as much information on people as possible. The reason why is because people are the weakest leak link in an organization. It's easier to hack the people and find out how to manipulate those people to give you a password or to click a link that's going to download software that's going to be malicious code, a Trojan or a virus or something like that, than it is to try to hack a Cisco ASA firewall, for, for example. So people are the weakest. Now, if you, if you doubt what I'm saying here, consider this. A few years back, around 2016, a state-sponsored organization hacked the DNC. DNC is the, part, the uh, Democratic National uh, Committee. Something like it's the Democratic. uh, The Democrats have an organization where they how they gather money and gather constituents and and promote their campaigns for senators and Congress and and whatever. Right. It's a political party here in the U.S. And the GOP has one. That's the other party that we have here, which is the Republicans. You have every country has something similar to, to this. The DNC was hacked by a state sponsored organization. Do you know how they got in? This is publicly available information, by the way. Okay, look it up for yourself. The way they got in was they did some reconnaissance, found out the person's work email, the person's name, and they did a phishing, a spear phishing attack to get uh, somebody who was an administrator to give them rights uh, to allow them to get into the system. That's how they got in. So they literally... Uh, hacked the PPI, uh, PII by just probably just Googled it. I mean, literally, there's so much information out there. They probably just Googled it, probably uh, signed up for one of their websites, gathered as much information as they could on some of the inner workings of the DNC, and that's how they got in. They were able to get class uh, sensitive emails, not classified, sensitive emails that were within the campaign. They were able to get sensitive files. They were able to get all this stuff, by the way, is on WikiLeaks. You can actually literally – so what they did was they hacked it. <laughs> they, it's brilliant. They hacked the system, downloaded all the stuff, all the information. They put it up on WikiLeaks. You could read it to this day. I think John Podesta's email to um, about UFOs is on there. John Podesta, who was going to be one of the campaign, I think he was one of the campaign managers for Hillary Clinton, was going to be actually on her staff, was talking about UFOs. This I'm not making this up. Go to WikiLeaks, read it for yourself. All their emails are there. They leaked all their information on there, and it created a firestorm. Might even cause them the election. So, yeah. The way they got in was personally identifiable information. That's why it's super important for every organization to protect this stuff. Now, in let's go back to the screen here. When you're talking about um, when you're talking about federal systems, they have a bunch of controls that you're supposed to meet in order to protect the personally identifiable information. Starting from the top, you have to your organization should have a policy and procedure. 
you should have an authority uh, an authority to process personal personally identifiable information and normally what they'll have is like a CPO or a privacy czar or a privacy manager or some kind of authority that's backed by law right and that's all tied into your policy by the way personally identifiable information processing purpose you need to have a purpose of every system that's actually identifying personally identifiable information consent anytime you take uh, customer clients or uh, workers information you should have consent to actually get their personally identifiable information particularly for customers and and things like subscribers or, or whatever if you're taking their their name or whatever uh, also a privacy notice is something you probably have seen on many different websites especially on federal or state websites country websites they'll have a privacy notice saying, hey, by the way, we're gathering your your username, your your first name, last name, but hey, we're not going to shop it around. We're going to keep it. We're going to protect it. That's what the privacy notice normally says, unless it's Facebook in which they're telling you, hey, we're going to do what the hell we want, and there's nothing you can do about it. Sign here. We're going <laughs> to, you know what I mean? But federal government, they can't do that kind of stuff. You know, they're not, they're, they're going to have a terms of service and but they have to protect by law, by federal law, they have to protect their information. There are repercussions whenever they lose a bunch of information. Um, PT6 goes into system of records notice or a SORN where if you have a searchable database of all the personally identifiable information, then you have to put forward this statement that explains why it's searchable what they're doing with the information it's just a break that and then you make that publicly ava available it's a breakdown of every of the who what when where and why of the actual information now i want to take you real quick i'm not going to go through each one of these this is the course that i'm developing that will do that i just want to very quickly show you uh what you need to do with privacy so with privacy, it starts off with a privacy threshold analysis. This is determining if the system that you're looking at actually has privacy uh, PII on it and does it need to be, well, how do we need to treat this information? Now, if it doesn't have privacy information, if it doesn't have uh, personally identifiable information, then you go, you know, you don't need to do anything else. Like it's not, it doesn't, this doesn't apply to it. But if it ever has this, if it's storing, processing, or disseminating any kind of uh, pro uh, publicly, uh, any kind of, sorry, PII information, then yes, you got to go to the next level, which is privacy impact assessment. Now, with privacy impact assessment, you're identifying the system and you're going through the who, what, when, where, and why of this privacy information that you have. Now, depending on how you are processing this information, you may need a system of records notice. And this is a kind of a deeper dive. This is where, like I said, you have a searchable, some kind of um, privacy identifier searchable records database where somebody could like literally type your name in and it'll come up with all your personal, personally identifiable information. Then you need a SORN, which is a a statement that's explaining why you have it, why it's searchable, what you're doing with the information, that kind of thing. So in a nutshell, that is privacy compliance, and that's what I'm going to be going through with this next course. The course, I'm, I haven't decided on a price or anything. I might even make part of it free, 
uh, a great part of it free because this is something that I, you know, I really haven't seen a lot of people do this. I haven't seen people uh, have any kind of a breakdown of how do you do a privacy threshold analysis? How do you do a privacy assessment? How do you do a SORN? Where are all the, where are all the regulations and laws that actually prop up all of these things that a federal organization has to do and maybe even some of the things that you your organization if you're a private organization should be doing for your you should be doing something like a privacy privacy impact and assessment to figure out if you guys are doing everything correctly or if you need the extra protection for people's personally identifiable information okay i've got a few people watching me here i've got tony martin saying uh uh, I love assessing privacy controls, PIA and PTA. I'm in. I'm in business. Uh, if you don't have it, your controls fail. Yeah, it's a really important piece, especially uh, with your high-level organizations. Like if you're if you're launching stuff into space, if you're if you're dealing with people's social security numbers, if you are doing something that's critical mission critical type stuff you really do need to have some kind of a privacy process you have to like i said look at the threat like does this system even have i um pii okay we have pii what is the impact to organization if this stuff gets leaked what is the impact to the person if it gets leaked you need to deep dive into what goes on and how do we protect this information so those are all the things that go into this whole process that I'm going to be breaking down a lot further in uh, in the coming future. So be look at keep a lookout on for uh, for that. And actually, if I ever get it out there, it'll be in the description below. So go ahead and check that out on this video. All right. So I got uh, Keenan R saying, "Is it possible to transition from a cyber uh, SOC security operations center role?" To a security compliance role, yeah, absolutely, uh, Keenan. Like what I would do if I were you is um, you probably already have some experience in security compliance. It's it's funny a lot of people don't realize that they actually have been doing some security compliance type stuff, and um, and you just need to put it on your resume. Um, do you know anything about um, any kind of uh, risk management frameworks that includes not only NIST? Uh, cybersecurity framework or NIST 853 if you've ever applied different controls, um, if you've done um, incident responses. Uh, some of the stuff that you do in incident response are actually security controls that you're now implementing. For example, IR controls. I can actually show you here. Let me let me see if I can bring it up as I'm talking here. But IA control, IR controls, IR controls are actually part of the NIST 800 standard and so let me just show you what i'm talking about and i'm sure you've done these if you're in sock if you've done any kind of security incident type responses that is actually implementation of uh of ir controls let me just see if i can find them <clears throat> so here let me show you here if you've done any of these things you definitely want to put them on your resume and start highlighting those things the big thing is documentation abiding by policy and laws and understanding why that's important a lot of security people don't understand why it's important to actually document to to actually 
it's kind of funny because everything you do as a security person or as an IT person has to do with some sort of a standard and has to do with some kind of security control. But we don't even realize it. We just kind of, you know, you just put it's like you're it's, it reminds me of the workers on the Death Star. Everybody is putting little pieces and parts uh, together, but they don't even know what that they're about to blow up. You know, Alderaan, you know what I mean, because you're just so in the weeds on your one little part. But as a as a as a security compliance person, you have to look at the entire Death Star. You know what I mean? So anyway, look at this. These IR controls. This is NIST 853 starting from the top. This is IR1. This is dealing with the policies of incident response. And this is saying that the organization should have some kind of a policy or procedure that walks you through incident handling, incident response, things like that. And if you ever participated in writing this policy, now I know that as a uh, compliance guy myself, I've had to reach out to my SOC team and say, hey, guys, we're writing a policy on this. We're writing a procedure, you know. It's been a while. I haven't. I've been out of the loop. There might be some things that you guys know that I definitely I don't know. You know, so I reach out to these subject matter experts, people like yourself, and say, "Listen, we're doing this procedure that that we need for new people coming in. So I'll coordinate and work with them to actually help me to write the procedure for incident response. If you've ever helped out with that, you want to put that on your resume and say that you've you've assisted in." Um, uh, security compliance and here's how or you've assisted in writing a procedure or a policy for incident response or for the SOC so you want to put that on your resume another thing would be if you've ever trained if you've ever trained for incident responses or incident security incidents that's another thing that you want to put on your resume to say hey I've assisted with training because that's another thing that's kind of right in line with what we do as is cybersecurity uh security compliance people is do training write the training help with the training things like that incident response training is a part of nist 853 so you could literally put especially if you work in an environment where you're working for the federal government and you guys are doing nist or you're doing um any kind of dod or uh, fbi or ci any of those three letter agencies any of those will are working with NIST 800. So you can literally put that on your resume that you've done. You've helped to train incident response train. Uh, you, you could say something like uh, created training for NIST 853 incident response uh, for this or that organization. You could say something like that. And that's that way you're sneaking in that security compliance role uh, jargon that they want to hear. Incident response testing, incident handling, all of these things are in line with the NIST 853. So what you want to do is just put that stuff right in your resume. You know, that's how you do it. You just have to hi highlight it. The thing is, like I said, the people that are in the weeds, the firewall guys, the people like yourself, the SOC people, you're kind of like this. You're only on, you know, you're only looking at this one part. But as a security compliance person, we have to look at the entire picture. And so whenever we put stuff in our resume, it should be looking at how does this impact the organization? 
how, what did what policy did I because the reason why policies are important is because policy is affecting the organization right you're not just looking at well I I, I work with ArcSight I'm an ArcSight guy and I'm working on this seam and you know it's not just about tools it's about looking at the bigger picture so you got to put that stuff on your resume and that is how you would transition over you know so put that on your resume and he says uh, I'm uh, let me see. I'm learning them. I do incident responses every day. Yeah. So I'm sure you have a lot of exposure to a lot of stuff I just talked about. And you just want to put that stuff on your resume. Um, and then put, um, if you, I don't know if you work for the federal government, but if you do, then you definitely have had some interaction with 853. You want to put that kind of stuff in there. You want to put uh, any kind of times you've written policies or procedures or any kind of any things like that where it's impacting the whole organization, what you want to put on your resume. Um, Kevin of Fairfax says, what exactly makes a security a control hybrid? Uh, is it when the system covers some of that controls CCIs and while uh, CCIs while the other systems cover uh, the other CCIs. Here's here's my understanding of a hybrid control. The way that I've always let me see if I can get an image of it. I, I like to kind of explain this with like memes and images and stuff while I'm talking. So the way that I understand hybrid controls is by is their intersection with system level controls and common controls. So let me explain. So a system level control is very self-explanatory. It's a security control on the actual system. Excuse me. So for example, let's say we have a Linux system, right? And that Linux system needs to have um, identity management on it, identity and authorization on it. So we put PAM on it and it's it's got maybe some MFA. It's got um, multi-factor authentication that multi-factor authentication that forces a person to use an RSA key plus their fingerprint plus their retina scan plus their card reader <laughs> all of those things are security controls so that's pretty easy to understand common controls common controls are controls that are done by the entire by Common controls are done by the organization so that uh, – let me give you a good example of a common control. It's would be a physical control. So, so let's say the building, the, let's say the facility has no windows and it has a fence around it and you have a card reader when you walk in, right? So the fencing around the, the building, like you need physical security, right? Like people sleep on that all the time. But without physical security, you really don't have security at all. <laughs> so physical security would be a common control because it's controlled by the organization. And everybody who walks into that facility has now inherited that particular control. So you, walk, you have your laptop. You walk into the facility and um, – the first thing they do is maybe they inspect your bag, they inspect your your system, all that kind of stuff. All that whole process of walking in to the fence, showing your badge, 
going in, getting checked by the security guards. That All of that's physical security, and that's a common control. Everything that's in the facility has inherited that particular controls. There's there's other kinds of common controls like policies are, are common controls. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but this is my understanding of a common control versus a system control. System control is on a system. Inherit a common control is usually inherit something that everyone inherits once they walk in the door. Everybody inherits it once they apply the policy. It can be technical too because you can have common controls that, um, like a a good technical common control would be like a, a baseline on an endpoint system could be a common control because everybody who is jumping on a system is inheriting the policies. Uh, that are have been put and installed on that system already. Everybody is is uh, on a what we used to call a gold disc. Like that's it's a system that has an image, and everybody has to use that same image. That could be considered a common control. It's also controlled usually by a common control provider. So it's two things. It's inherited by the organization and a common control provider. Another kind of department controls it. Right. So in the in the example of my physical security, there's let's say there's a third party security team called uh, BlackRock. And that black BlackRock is an organization who controls the fencing. They control the badging system and they control the entry in and they check people's bags. And that whole thing, everybody who walks in has to go through BlackRock and, and they're the common control provider. So if. If you want documentation from them, if you want to change something, you got to go to the to BlackRock, the common control provider, and say, "Hey guys, like we need to change this policy of searching the bags because of this or that." Right? So, system level control that's on a computer, right? It's installed. It's a security control on that particular system. And if it's on Linux, it's probably going to be a little bit different from Windows. Uh, it's specific to a system. Common control is something that you can inherit. It can be a policy. It can be technical as well, but as long as it's like got a common control provider and it's inherited by everyone who walks in the building, everybody who touches that system. Hybrid is a combination between the two. And let me explain. An example of a hybrid control might be the badge reader when you walk in the door. Because, and here's the reason why I say that, because the badge readers often have to be controlled by more than one organization. It has to be controlled by BlackRock, the physical security guys, right? And it also might have to be controlled by the local organization, a common control provider that's there on site who has to make sure that, okay, um, BlackRock just stopped our uh, our commander from coming into the facility. Um, <laughs> that's not good. We gotta we gotta fix this. And then maybe they have like um, a system where they're monitoring people who are coming into the into the facility. So actually, it's control. It's it's a cross section between your um, system level controls, where it's controlled by that inner organization, and a third party. Uh, the, the the BlackRock, the third party organization. So it's both, in, it can also be inherited, but also it's controlled by uh, that local organization. I hope that that makes sense. And I'm still trying to find an example of a hybrid control. I got a couple of ideas here, and these are not what I wanted to see here. That's the way I can that that I uh, understand hybrid controls is they're they're a combination between common and system security controls.
because that system that badging system is a is a tech is a system it's a technical system that is right there on site that uh, needs to be controlled locally but it's also uh, needing uh, a third-party common control provider so still looking for an example visual example of a common control common uh, of a, I mean a hybrid control does that make I hope that makes sense that maybe that's more confusing <laughs> Uh, Kevin Fairfax says, uh, oh, so a common control needs to have a provider system. Yeah, often like you have a comp a common control provider. Like you have another, like it's so big. Like here, the way I think of it is like this. It's normally something that is so, that is, it's, it's something that's affecting the whole enterprise, the whole organization. So normally you have another party who has to control it. Like it's either a department. Or it's a uh, it's a group of, of people who that's their one of their primary functions is to do that one that one job because it's it's something that's affecting everyone. So in the, in the example that I gave about the um, baseline control of the gold disc of, of everybody who has um, the the workstations that everybody has this image of the workstation that's normally controlled by like endpoint. Some some team like a uh, like a help desk team that they that's all they do is focus on making sure that this is the most uh, update up to date version of the image and they're going out fixing the image if it's broken or whatever or they're wiping people's systems because they have a virus or something like that. Let me see. And you guys, if you guys have a different, better explanation of a hybrid control, please chime in. I, I will definitely read it and I'll piggyback on what you're saying. Because I want to, I really want to explain this. That is my understanding of a common control, but by no means is it the end all be all. Um, yeah, I'm really having trouble finding <laughs> common control. Trying to find like a visual representation that will explain uh, the differences. I've seen a couple, I've used a couple in my. Uh, teachings system level it's I'll find it in a second here okay Keenan R says is okay this is a separate question so I'm gonna I'm gonna save that one for you just give me a second to find this example of a hybrid control Technical controls, administrator controls. I'm going to find one in a second here. Give me a second to explain with a visual representation of a hybrid control. I'm seeing a couple examples. I just don't think that they're very good. <laughs> uh, so just bear with me here. I will find this dang thing. Okay. Well, I, I'm not seeing any uh, visual representations, but okay. Here's here's a a definition of it. A security control that is implemented in an in an 
uh, information system in part as a common control and in part a system specific control. So yeah, it's a combination of the two, basically. I mean, that's a better explanation than what I just said. <laughs> it's a combination between a common control and a system specific or system level control. So that the system that I explained where it's the badging, the actual badging system, because the badging system would have to be controlled by a common control. Everybody who enters the door is getting hit with that badging system. But at the same time, it's a local system specific control that has a, that's connected to a database and, and it has to, um, it has to, it's attached to an actual system. So that is, you know, that was a good example, I thought. Another good example would be of the PIV reader. The, um, the actual, if you've ever had a, a smart card, the actual smart card system might also be considered a hybrid because that system is normally controlled by a third party and it's also connected to the actual system, the actual computer that you're, that you're putting the card in. It has those two components that make it a hybrid, you know, a system specific control that will work on a Mac different than a little bit different than it works on a, um, a, a PC different than it works on a Linux and a Windows system. It's going to be slightly different specific control configurations, but on the back end, it's also a common control that is controlled by the organization and hitting everybody. So I hope that I, I know I like overdid it on that one, but um, that was a good question. Thank you, sir. Okay, Keenan says, um, is the certified information sy uh, system auditor necessary to to obtain a compliance role? No. Uh, would it be appropriate to work to get uh, towards a IT auditor position? then compliance role um i would say honestly keenan it depends on where you're at um it depends so his question was uh is the cisa or the certified by osaka it's called the certified information system auditor very good certification by the way um very very uh lucrative certification that many auditors and assessors get especially in the in the financial space. He says, is it necessary to to get that for a compliance role? No, it's not. Uh, uh, there's a couple of other better ones, um, but it kind of depends. Like if you're in the financial space, it's a really good one to get, actually. Let me back, back up a little bit. It depends on what industry you're in. Because I can tell you this, in the Department of Defense, the one you want to get if you want to be a uh, – there's a couple in the in defense, in global security – industry uh in the federal government they look very highly upon in order in this order cissp uh the casp is actually has risen to uh, prominence the cap is good the cap the isc2 squared cap is a good one for federal government now i'm not i haven't started talking about fed, the other industries but i'll get to those and then for compliance, probably Security Plus. Uh, Security Plus is not a bad one for compliance with a bachelor's degree on all those, by the way. Bachelor's or master's degree on all those uh, in in some kind of a STEM. It can be science, technology, uh, math, and, of course, computer sciences. Any one of those will do. All right. So for – and they're very specific because they have a whole – they have a, something called a cyber 
workforce documentation where they break all those down specifically for compliance and auditors and all that for in the federal government for an auditor uh the ones that they look to is a cisa that's actually a good one for specifically for auditors another one is a ceh uh they look at sometimes and then i'm trying to think of a, there's another one i'm not thinking cism there's another one that's that they look highly upon for auditors and let me just show you what i'm talking about for that one before i go on to uh the the financial sector okay this one's called um a uh, it's called Cyber Security Workforce, and it's called an 8140. It used to be called 8570, but now it's 8140. And let me show you what I'm talking about. It's funny. It's like I'm the only guy talking about this, so I always pop up as like number one on my sites. <laughs> I'm surprised. I mean, it's pretty hot. So, I mean, it's it's worked for me. I'll just put it to you that way to to go by down this little path and to map a career out of this. You could literally map a career with using the cybersecurity workforce and all of the uh, many of the let me show you my screen here. Many of the certification uh, folks are using this, the certification uh, people are using 8570 or 8140 cybersecurity workforce. But so these levels here are explaining what certifications that they they uh, recommend for each level and each role and things like that. And so I was talking about auditor. So this is actually updated. They do have CISA on, on the newer list. But uh, here it is right here, CEH is one of them um let me see cis i know cisa is on one of these okay here it is iat level two and this is not the newer one um the newer one did i thought had auditor here but i could be wrong but yeah here's just an example of if you're an analyst if you're this is federal the federal um side by the way now for if you're trying to go into what industry are you in, by the way, you got to tell me what what industry I could probably help you out. I, I could tell you this um, in um, the financial space, like if you work for the IRS or if you work for uh, who uh, Price Waterhouse or JP Morgan or any of those guys, they look at the CISSP very highly. Um, they also look at the CISA, CISM. Those are those are highly sought after with those guys. Uh, and I don't know what other certs that they really. C risk, I think, is another one. C risk from Isaka is a good one. They that I, I noticed that they look at a lot. Uh, but uh, and then your other part of your question was, is it necessary? Yeah. So. It depends on what industry you're going to, I would say. For federal, I can speak highly on – I mean I could speak on, on federal because I've been doing it for so long. And I could say uh, CISA is is something that we, you would want to do for auditors. And then you, your other question was would it be appropriate to work towards IT audit position then compliance role? And I would say it depends on where you're at, where, where you're at in experience. If you've done a lot of assessments – Meaning, you are you're you're in a SOC position, but you have done some assessments on systems. Like you 
have, meaning you've ran some scans on systems and you had to analyze that scan information and you had to evaluate whether or not this system needs to be, uh, how it needs to be fixed and what priorities that you need to fix it. Um, that is a lot of experience in assessments and auditing. And if you've done things like that, I would suggest going into auditing. If you are, if you have done uh, policies and you've written procedures and things like that, then you then maybe you want to go into the compliance side. Compliance side is dealing with interpretation of security controls that need to be implemented and writing policy and the direction of the company and, and their security posture and things like that. Um, fancy words for policies procedures, documentation, and making sure that the security on the systems is is uh, is in accordance with the company's policy. Auditing is a little different. It's where you're you're assessing the vulnerabilities of and the risk to the organization. And then you document the risk to the organization. And then that so those are two different things. It depends on what you have done in your in your line of work. You said that I'm in mass media entertainment industry. Mass media entertainment. I don't really know anything about that industry. <laughs> I got to be honest. I don't know nothing about that industry. You say you have a security plus with no degree. Um, you know, one, one way that I have been able to do research on an industry. Let me just kind of show you my screen a little bit. How do I do research on industries? Um experience you know i've i've been in um personally federal space private uh space in telecommunication space aerospace um aerospace engineering um the sciences like pure science type stuff fixed making sure that their computers are good uh and and that they're meeting policy those are the main industries i've done i have not gone outside of those very a little bit of a little bit of healthcare, a little recently, and a little bit of financial recently. Manufacturing too, a little bit recently, but mostly it's federal. But let me show you how I actually look up other industries. So I'm this right here is my LinkedIn. So what you can do if you were on, if you were following along with me, is look at what is in demand for mass media entertainment um, entertain me if I could spell and look up what it is people are really looking for um, law I'm sure law is really big in in that industry because they're dealing with artists and stuff like that right um, film industry um, Production, film production. I'm kind of looking for like what kinds of things, what kinds of things they're looking for. I'm looking for the kinds of jobs that are out there that seem hot. Call center representative, director of interior. So this is telling me information right here. I mean, it's telling me that they're, what their needs are, like what needs are out there as far as jobs. And what I normally do here, and you can do this on dice.com, you can do this on uh, on many different sites to see what's out there and look at the actual jobs and look at what the requirements are, what they're looking for. That way what you're doing is you're researching what is the demand 
um, so you can su supply that demand. What's the what are they looking for out there? So, you know, OK, they're really looking for auditors or they're really looking for this or they're looking for that, you know. Uh, and right now, I'm not seeing a lot of technical jobs in there. OK, software engineering. Here's another software engineering. Um, and uh, I think maybe I'm looking at the wrong. This is probably not the right terminology, I think, because I would there should be lots and lots of stuff for this mass media. Let me see. Account manager. So I'm looking for the supply for technical people is what I'm doing here. Teacher broadcast, digital marketing, digital media manager. Okay. Virtual opportunities. So not a whole lot of IT, but I'm sure there's some. Sports, marketing, marketing, a lot of marketing. Technical account manager. I don't even know what that is. Technical account manager. Is this somebody who hires people? Technical account manager. That's what it sounds like to me. Mass media market. So yeah, I would I would research what jobs are out there and what they're looking for unless you're trying to go into a completely different industry and if that's the case let's say you were trying to go into um oh telecommunications okay telecommunications is probably a better terminology telecommunications nice okay in fact let's just say let's just say telecommunications Okay, we should have a lot more technical jobs here. Coordinator, uh, business analysis analyst. Um, okay, some field technician type jobs. I'm sure those are there's tons of those out there. So this is what I do. I look at what is in demand out there, and I see if I can meet that demand. Like let's say I was interested in this. Sit uh test analyst and i would look at okay what kind of skills is this particular job looking for and they're saying required skills is sit testing um uh, smoke regression i don't even know what that is ort um telecom billing yeah look at stuff like this to get an idea of what's going on what they what do they need and then start targeting that market but i'm not seeing anything you know why is this just not my market that's why i just don't know what to type in um telemass media telecommunications media Uh, technical security analyst. Let's see what this is on dice.com. Dice is a really good resource, by the way. Uh, dice is a leading career, blah, blah, blah. Oh, this is literally at dice working for dice remotely. <laughs> wow. Look at this Stigs benchmarks. Holy crap. This is what kind of job is this for dice? Oh man. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Literally working for dice.com. Yeah, so anyway, first step would be go through LinkedIn, go through uh, dice.com, go through monster.com. Look at your market. Like, where are you trying to, what are you trying to do in this market? Because 
I don't know that there's a lot of, you know, and I don't know. This is just my showing my ignorance in uh, in mass media. But I don't know that there's a lot of assessors in this field. I just, I, you know, I would just wouldn't know. You know what I mean? I just wouldn't know. But you, having been in this industry as a sock person, you know the terminology. You know the keywords. You know your market way better than I would, an outsider. So you use your keywords to figure out what is needed in that market. And then that will give you an idea of what you need to aim for and what certifications you need to have to level up. Because that's what you're trying to do, right? You're trying to level up. And you've mentioned either doing uh, doing um, either auditor or compliance. So you – actually, you know, your industry might not even call it compliance and auditing. Um, I know uh, some industries call it a completely different name. In federal, federal space, a lot of times they call it assessors. Security control assessors. They don't really call it auditors. It means the same thing. But in, in the financial sector, they call it auditing. Auditors, they use that word a lot because auditing, right? Auditing money. So that's the term that they know for security. So, yeah, whatever terminology and, and words that you guys, that your industry uses, you got to use those terminology, that those keywords to actually dig deeper to figure out what is necessary. Uh, to level up. That's that's normally what I do. Um, I know that that's one of the things that I did to to go to. Um, I went from doing compliance to doing uh, sock work. Actually, I went from compliance to sock work. This was year, many years ago. I had to change locations. I had to take a a job where I was no longer a, a SME. I was more like a junior level person learning. Um, and, uh, and I had to learn a whole bunch of new things, but I was willing to do it cause I really wanted to do sock work and I ended up doing it for a couple years and I liked it. Actually, I actually, uh, had, had a lot of fun. It was very technical. I really, I really liked it for a while and it was shift work, all that kind of stuff. And I, I still liked it, but then I ultimately, I went back to, to my, my roots of doing compliance <laughs> and, and now doing assessing and auditing and stuff like that. So. I hope that that conversation was helpful. Um, I'm about an hour in, guys, so I'm about actually about to kill this, kill this one. And uh, appreciate everybody who contacted me. I'm gonna end this with a with a um, stream killer, which is looking through somebody's resume. <laughs> People, uh, the individual who's I'm looking at their resume is always thrilled, but nobody wants to watch it. But uh, that's fine. We're going to go ahead and look at a resume real quick, and, and then I'll end it that way. So this next resume is actually somebody who's been in the industry for a long, longer period of time. And I changed the name to Protect the Innocent. This is Will P. And he, um, I, I took the liberty of putting the name of the, his job up here. And I don't know if this is what he, if he wanted, but I kind of skimmed through what he's doing here. And it sounded to me like a like a information system security officer so i put it here location number email comes next and he put an active security an active government clearance that's cool what i would do here is i would just go ahead and put what it was secret or whatever it is i don't know what it is but i usually i'll put it right in there i don't know if that's right or wrong but i've been doing that for years so maybe uh, maybe the fbi is watching me or something i don't know but i usually put my clearance right here 
Now, if you've taken my course, I break down like how I'm able to um, protect my privacy. Um, I usually use a pseudoname or some kind of a alias for my actual name. I, I don't put my actual phone number. I use a different email. I use like a business phone number. I have a separate phone line. There's things that you can do to get a free one. You can get a, a free number from, um, excuse me, a, a free number from Google. Google has Google Voice and they, they do free numbers and stuff. So I usually do that. Those are just com a couple of things that I do so that I can't be, they can't use my own privacy information against me. I do the same thing on Facebook, by the way, which is outside of the scope of what we're talking about here. But that's the kind of, some of the things that I do on my course. If I could just show you real quick my course to give you an idea of that one. It's pretty slept on, but it's one that I continue to use and it continues to pay me. I'm never without a job. Um, I've been... <laughs> I've continued to be employed because this is the method that I use. I market the hell out of myself. So basically, it's taking your resume, writing it the correct way, putting keywords in it, and then marketing the ever-living hell out of it. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. That's my course. If you're interested in it, go check it out. I can even give you a discount. Just ask me. Okay, so anyway, let's keep going with this. This is the first time I've seen this um, I'm, that I've read through this part. I kind of... It's changed all this stuff because I don't want to put my man's um, personal information out there. Uh, so he says, a professional summary. He says, I have, I have extensively worked in organizations where I have an active involvement in setting up processes, frameworks, and implementing controls to make sure our various systems, networks, devices, and software, softwares, and softwares, let me fix that. Software conforms software conforms to security best practices. Um yeah, so I normally I, I don't see anything wrong with putting these statements up top, but it's a really good opportunity to put as many keywords as possible. So that's normally how I use it. I don't put like these blanket statements. You don't want to waste a minute uh any time on your resume you want to get as much impact as possible so i would put i wouldn't just put frameworks i'd put the framework i'm using i put fedramp um, you know here's what i would do i would say okay i've simply worked extensively worked in organizations okay right there. this is a general statement i would put what organizations i've worked for so he's worked for uh cyber data technologies um I don't know if these are what kinds of organizations these are. Communications. Tele okay, looking like telecommunications and um, cyber data technologies. I would put the type of, of organizations. I would put I would put tele telecommunications in telecommunications and other organizations. So you just wanna, this is an opportunity to use a keyword. So I just wanna put here to tell them that use, use keywords in the summary. Just, just my two cents of what I would do personally. 
is use those in the summary. Um, and other organizations. Like if he worked for also telecom and aerospace, I would put it in there. And in fact, I'm just going to go ahead and aerospace and other organizations, right? So now we got a couple more keywords in there. Uh, and if it was like a high level organization like NASA or like FBI or something, I'll put it right in there too. Uh, okay, when, where I was an active and actively involved in setting up processes, frameworks. Okay, we're going to put some frameworks in there. Such as, such as, let's say, what did he say? FedRAMP? He said FedRAMP. FISMA, no, let me see here. I know he said one here. I thought he said FedRAMP. Um, risk management framework, let's say that. S frameworks such as risk, risk management framework and implementing let's type let's say the type of control nist eight you see what i'm doing here i'm putting as many keywords as possible in here it's not illegal but it should be because this dude's about to get hella jobs from this little these little tricks and implementing nist 853 controls to make sure our various systems and i would put Type are very, I would say, critical. Our critical systems, networks, and devices. You might even want to put just just for the sake of of actually putting some more keywords. Cisco, <laughs> Cisco networks. <laughs> I mean, you don't normally use that in a, in a sentence, but. Um, we're going to do it just for the sake of putting the word Cisco in there. Cisco networks, devices, and software, and software conform. That's okay. Yeah, I got to get rid of the S there. Software conform to security best practices. Yep. Okay. That's a little better. I mean, we got a couple keywords in there. I probably stuff way, way more in there and take time to do that, but it is what it is. So the rest of this is actually looking pretty solid. Professional experience, let's see. Support the risk management framework, the risk management team and office of blah, blah, blah and health and human services, health services by performing tasks associated with national institution. Okay, that's good. That's more keywords that's good i would not change that okay and then he goes into risk management frame risk management fisma analyst okay that's his title okay so computer security okay i would change computer security specialist to cybersecurity. it's just a buzzword you know it's it means the same thing i don't i don't think this is a lie i mean cyber security it's just a buzzword that's being used. So instead of computer security, I'd say cybersecurity specialist means the same thing. Even if at the actual organization they called you a computer specialist, cybersecurity means the same thing as computer security. 
uh, specialist. All right, it's a little trick to get some keywords in there. Next part is support vulnerability management team. Okay, that's really good. Um, by compiling and tracking vulnerabilities and mitigating results of Nessus. This is another opportunity to put more Nessus. See what I'm doing? I'm putting very specific tools that way. And I don't know what tool this was. I mean, I don't know. And I'm just going to put in here, put the tool used. Put the tool, the scanning tool that was used. That way, that comes up as a keyword. Nessus. Mitigation, vulnerability and mitigation results of Nessus. Right? Nessus vulnerability scanner. Tenable, actually. Tenable, let's say, tenable Nessus whatever the hell it's called I don't know <laughs> vulnerability scanner uh, scanner right if it was if it was Qualys put that if it was whatever it was put that in there specific and that's actually a keyword that somebody's gonna research they was like hey I want somebody with experience with Nessus and so they'll put that in there and when they're when they're searching so the idea behind it what you got to keep in mind is that most of these most of these people who are looking for jobs, um, most of the people who are looking for employees, I should say, are technical recruiters, HR people who don't necessarily know our craft. They don't they're not SMEs. They don't know what we do. So they're just putting in keywords that the organ that the company told them to put in so that one of those keywords might be Nessus. Hey, we want somebody who, who knows how to use Nessus. Right. And so they'll put that in there and searching for a person who knows Nessus. They'll put that in there and then your resume will pop up because you had that keyword in your resume. So the name of the game is keywords, technical specific things that you've done. And the more you put in there, the more your resume is going to be loved by the, the search engines. Because the name of the game is search engines. You're going to be putting your data in a search engine, whether it's LinkedIn search engine whether it's Google search engine or dice.com search engine or monster or name the job uh, the, the job aggregator. That's where all these people are going to look for you. So you got to put those keywords in there so that it comes it pops up in the in the actual uh, algorithm. All right, guys, that's it for this one. Thanks a lot. Um, somebody said, when do you go live? Kevin, I normally go live um, every Saturday. I don't have a specific time. Maybe I should. Uh, I, but one, one of these days, I'll nail down a specific time. But just if you put in, go to YouTube, turn on notifications, or better yet, go to Combo Courses, sign up for that. I'm going to be putting all kinds of new stuff out there. So go there. If you go to those two places, you will find my new content. You will find me on lives. Um, and uh, I will see you guys on the next one. Thanks a lot for watching.